Live at Samstown Race and Sportsbook, it's Cofield and Company. I don't care. I am so cheap. If it takes a little physical exertion, then I'm going to do it. Instead of three-point shooting, you can roll defense. Like, the things that actually matter. Just do me a favor. Talk more about those Boston teams on your show. Shut up. Yep. <laughs> 100%. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. But we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Fun, 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 fun. Looking forward to the weekend. VGK Hockey on the way tonight. Golden Knights in a pivotal, pivotal game three. Must win game three. Why? Because they lost game two and they gave away game one in Lakers-esque style. Maybe they were uh, scoping out the scene like LeBron does. We'll get to LeBron. We'll get to the Lakers. We'll deal with all the hate we saw last night and today. Pretty amazing times we live in, in Sports America 2021. But yeah, we're set up here at the Race and Sportsbook. Samstown is the site. we got some good guests coming up. We're going to have uh, one of the guys from the fan in Denver on with us here at the set in the 3 o'clock hour. Our football insider, Stanford Routes, actually in town. Oakland Raider, former Oakland Raider. Uh, he's in town, so he's going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Stormy! Stormy! Sideline Stormy towards the end of this hour so trending at two you know we're doing a giveaway right out of the gates call 11 364 1100 call 11 364 1100 call 11 364 1100 here you go you qualify for a chance to win golden knights tickets to the game on sunday at the fortress you qualify for that what do you get when you call in your caller 11 you get a golden knights hat and you get one of these fantastic two-foot subs from Port of Subs. It's caller 11, 364 364 1100. This feels a lot different than a game seven. Does it not? Down to nothing. They're back at home. Game seven, you were kind of in the driver's seat because at least you were at home. Uh, you didn't, you know, you didn't feel good having to play a game seven, but you thought they could get it done. This one's weird, man. Really weird. Because you know the abs are really good. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of people around the country who are like, yeah, you blew your chance to take back home ice. You played about as well as you could for two periods, and you still didn't freaking win. So what's your mindset as a hockey onlooker here about the Knights' chances in this series, especially off of what they did in the latter two-thirds of the last game? So, I mean – Personally, I would think that you're nervous to an extent, but not entirely nervous. First off, there's a team that's playing right now against the Winnipeg Jets, right? That was down 3-1 in their series, won three straight, and moved on in the Montreal Canadiens. And I'd also say, at least this is just in talking with people who bet hockey a lot, right? In terms of the whole home ice thing, home ice is not as strong as you think it is because you have one dominant figure that can change an entire game 
And that's whoever your goaltender is, right? Like, if you have good enough goaltending, especially for a certain stretch, you can kind of negate the whole thing with home ice. So while it's important, like, I feel like you're still in a spot where winning two straight at home is not out of the realm of possibility. And then going back in Colorado, and you're right, now it's a best out of three. But, like, I can understand being nervous, but not, not entirely nervous. We've seen crazier things in hockey and in sports like this before. 2 nothing is not a massive hole to dig out of. And I think in a lot of ways in game two, the Knights showed that they can be a dominant team even mm-hmm. against the Avs. They did a pretty decent job of neutralizing their top line, and their top line's ridiculous. I mean, there are times in that first period of the last game when McKinnon starts skating through defenders. You're like, what the – and then the stick work. You're like, what the hell is going on? He's like on hyperspeed. But I thought the Knights did a, a good job in the latter – you know, two-thirds of the game, of putting pressure on the Avs in their end, uh, winning battles on the glass. They did a much better job, you know, getting the puck off the glass. They put immense pressure on Grubauer. He came up big. And, you know, as I pointed out the other day, and I think anyone who watched the game, um, when you hit eight posts, that means you're a little bit off, mm-hmm. right? Some will say that that's all Grubauer, that he's cut the angle down to nothing. That's, it wasn't all Grubauer. There were some pretty good open opportunities, and they just missed by a sliver. Um, and they did have good opportunities where they simply couldn't get the puck in the right spot, couldn't lift it in close. So you hope, little adjustments, some puck luck. They Love should that. be good to go tonight. Um, if they're down 3 nothing, that's a hellhole. They're, right. they're screwed. But they should be able to get back in this. This is a good spot for them tonight. They should be confident going into the game. Um, and especially, I think they also have the motivation like, we got screwed. That was a terrible call in the overtime. I don't think it was a great call. I'm not, you know, piss and moan about refs guy unless it's a hashtag not a major against the Sharks. I don't know about you, Steve, but I just think I sit there and I look at that penalty and I'm like, what happened to the hockey that I used to know? You know? <laughs> so soft nowadays. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. If I acted like an NBA, well, if I acted like a fan of sports who watch the NBA, they're not NBA fans. Hmm. Um, I could go into this game and call Jan Mark names, mm-hmm. right? I could go into this game and say, hey, Leonard, you know, you're this and that. You know, like, like you just said, what happened to my old school goalie? Why are you hurt at the most important time? Now, the game that the Knights play and the NHL plays all the time is everyone's day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't – can you imagine day-to-day being accepted by sports fans watching the NBA? Oh, no. Because it is an accepted practice in hockey where day-to-day could mean month-to-month. Yep. And it often has. Uh, I mean, Petrangelo had a major injury, and it was like, can we have no details on this? Right. Thank God the, Thank God for the players. Well, thank the you. NBA actually is mostly full disclosure on their injury. Can you imagine, Anthony Davis, if there was any doubt what the injury was? Because we knew what the injury was. And he still got blasted. Now, he tries to go out there last night, Anthony Davis, and you can see he was a freaking shell of himself. Listen to AD after the game, and he played limited minutes. He just he couldn't do it. The groin was jacked up. This is him postgame after the Lakers essentially get blown away by the Suns in an elimination game. just wanted to be out there for the team, you know, in a situation when to go home. Uh, obviously didn't want to just lay down and not be able to do what I can. Um, it never really felt good but like I say you know I, I you know, once I just a competitive nature in me to go out and help the team you know, as best as I could 
my body didn't agree. I felt bad for him. I felt really bad for LeBron. We'll get to that. But Lakers get destroyed in the first half. They try to make run after run after run in the second. Can't get over the hurdle. Suns are a good team, and they have a great young player in Devin Booker. What do you think about Anthony Davis and what you saw and then what he said after the game? I, I think it's commendable. Like, the second he went out there, the first move he made, he's grabbing at his groin. Like, he can't move laterally, like, at all. You can clearly tell there's a transition bucket where I think it was the one that finally took him out of the game where he goes, I think it was a contest or was it a finish? Regardless, he goes down to the ground and he immediately has to, like, scoot his way over to the corner because he can't go. I, I thought, like, and you get this all the time. NBA players are soft, all this stuff. Here's what, here's another guy playing through clearly an injury that is hampering him, and still you see stuff all over social media calling him soft, and, like, it's it's incredible. You, This has been a topic du jour for you throughout the season. Of course it has. Well, especially You've defended because- NBA players on their injuries and load management. In the end, what was it? Did LeBron, LeBron miss 27 games and AD miss 36 games? Yeah. And AD was getting those questions over and over and over again during the time he was out. Right, and like it since and Harden was getting those questions when he was out. Durant was getting those questions when he was out. Kyrie, because we don't. I mean, Ky, it, Kyrie essentially is a hockey player, right? right? We never know what's really wrong with most hockey players. They're day to day. You don't know when they're coming back. They're just going to slip in. And again, I'm not questioning the toughness of hockey players. Just like I'm not questioning the toughness of NBA players. But it's funny how one league is covered and how the other league is covered. If Max Pacioretty was some guard from Italy. Right. on a glamour team, and they had won a championship, how would fans, again, I keep saying fans, how would people who watch the NBA, mm-hmm. sports fans who watch the NBA, talk about Max Pacioretty? They would destroy him. They would absolutely go When we don't know what time. the injury is. Of course. And we keep hearing day to day, and then it turns out to be weeks weeks and weeks. Right, and like that's you always hear this all the time, like the term load management, because it was made popular the, the one year with uh, Kawhi Leonard in terms of his injury with the Toronto Raptors. And that's all that anybody throws around because they can't think for themselves, and that's all they that's all they can talk about. The only the only I guess I would give you the only player, and I wouldn't even say you deserve to criticize them, but we'll use this for lack of a better term. The only player that deserves any sort of criticism or questioning, I guess, would be a Kyrie Irving, who most of his absences seem to be I don't feel like playing to a certain extent because of X. Right? That is really it. When you talk about Kevin Durant missing time with legitimate injury, James Harden, who remember, I don't know if you remember, he got injured, Steve. He came back, played four minutes in a game, aggravated the injury, and then had to miss the rest of the regular season, right? You have all of these guys who have legitimate injuries who, again, lost on people. This was a compact season. Did you know that teams like the Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs had to play over 40 games in 62 days? Because of the nature of the schedule in the second half. But you know how that's going to be greeted. Right. I have to go to work every day. Of course. Well, your job's not being a high-level professional athlete. Of course. Well, and even then, I'm it sorry. Sucks. It you, sucks. But... You, no, but even then, I'm sorry. No, because you still bitch about your job, right? You still do. So don't even don't don't bring that at all, right? Like, in the, it just at the end of the day, you have hit it on the head in terms of it's just the way that those these two leagues are viewed. And I wonder what the big difference is. Well, I thought last night was sad. I think that's the beginning of the end. And I don't mean it's going to be like LeBron's on, uh, you know, a 27-win team for the Lakers. But I think we see his skills declining a bit. He can't carry teams like he used to. He wasn't 100%. He does need a great running mate, if not two 
great running mates. It actually made me sad. And for basketball, it makes me a little bit sad. And yet, I think I can spin it later on that, hey, we're going into a really cool era in the NBA. The, the passing of the torch may have begun last night. Lakers are out. LeBron is out. LeBron is now, what, 14-1 and in first-round series? Loser. But it is, it is going to be the first NBA Finals in 11 years without a Steph-led team or a LeBron-led team in the Finals. They're both no Steph Curry, no LeBron. First time we haven't seen that in 11 years. Yep. 2010. Or I guess first time we've seen that in 11 years. Yeah. Back to 2010. Crazy. It makes me a little bit sad. But here's the thing. I really like sports, and I actually like athletes. I appreciate what they do. I like watching them. They bring me enjoyment. Do I have athletes I don't like? Do I have athletes I root against? Sure. But I also want to see the greatest of the greats go as long as they can. And things are changing, John. And last night was a clear sign. People don't know the Suns, so I just I think they assumed, hey, it's the Lakers. Well, of course, we have we had betters telling us Le- LeBron's never lost. Not going to happen. Eventually, it does happen. Now, I don't think we're going to see that with Floyd Mayweather this weekend with Logan Paul as Teddy Atlas, boxing expert, was trying to pitch the last couple of days that that day is going to come <laughs> when the magician doesn't have all the tricks in his bag. When the cards are falling out of his sleeves. When, when the cards are falling out of his sleeves. Uh, the magician last night could not pull the rabbit out of the hat. Makes me sad. My cheese ball? No, I would completely agree. Like This is the other thing, too, that I think people don't really realize. If you legitimately like the NBA, right, but you're also one of these guys who continuously calls the leaks off, whatever it is, it is going to be a sad and weird day the day that LeBron James is not in the league, right, when we don't get to watch him play anymore. And that day is coming. Like We're very close to that day whenever it's going to be, right? When Steph Curry is finally not going to be on that floor, that is going to suck because that was a great player. Watching them go through everything throughout their entire careers, and we're near the tail end of that. Chris Paul as well. Like, we were at the twilight of all these guys' careers. Like, that's going to be a lame day when they finally come out and say, yeah, you know, I'm hanging it up. I'm not going to play anymore. Like, that is going to be bad. Like, no, I shouldn't say bad for the league because there's a lot of good young stars. But that just sucks because those are some of the best players we got to watch over the last 15 years. Yeah, days like today when uh, the greats are clearly starting to – hit that backslide, I think are sad. Others revel in it. Uh, others, I think there's a, a, a little psych analysis we can do on this on the way back. Man, people really piled on LeBron and celebrated his demise. There were a lot of happy people uh, last night and this morning. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100 now. No, I think I'm going to play for the Toon Squad this summer instead of the Olympics. That's my focus on, on trying to beat the Monstars or the Goon Squad, we call them now. Didn't have much success versus Sun, so now I am uh, gearing my attention to the Goon Squad here in July. I'm going to let the ankle rest for about a month and then uh, gear up with uh, Lola, Taz, Granny, Bugs, and the rest of the crew. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Samstown Race and Sportsbook. LeBron having some fun, joking. Of course, that will be taken what way? How dare he? What are you talking about? Right. LeBron is out. No finals with uh, either he or Steph. First time since 2010. So, you know, the backslide has begun. Lakers are going to need some help in the offseason. We'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour. I know, John, you're always taken aback by just the reign of hatred that comes LeBron James uh, his way. 
when he loses, when he's eliminated from the playoffs, when he doesn't win a title. MJ stuff coming up. That's in the 5 o'clock hour. This is so layered. But uh, so much of it is part of the bits of a lot of sports radio people and other TV people. They they glom right onto this because they know it's feeding red meat to their base. Right. Yeah, we saw it a lot. And it was like vitriolic, dude. Like, there was a lot of, like, legitimate hate. Sean Hannity went after him. Uh, Hannity got on him for what? The walk off the court? Drama King. LeBron makes quick exit after being eliminated. No handshakes with winning team. And look, okay, I'm just going to say this one thing. I know we're going to get to the MJ thing in a little bit. If any of you invoke the name of Michael Jordan when it comes to class, read. Watch one YouTube video. Learn something. Because I saw a lot of that. And that is ridiculous. I saw somebody invoking the name of Kobe. And when he came to he came to him walking off the court, it was a 2006 in the Western Conference final, or the Western Conference quarterfinals, whatever round it was, first round. Game seven, he took three shots in the second half, he quit. Like enough with this. But like we keep doing this all the time. Every, you know what else is great? Can I tell you something? I was like, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe athletes like Tom Brady don't storm off the field when they lose. Oh, you know they do. Maybe Bill Belichick always shakes hands when he loses Super Bowls. Oh, wait, he doesn't. It is so ridiculous. The crap that he gets for doing something that all of these athletes have done at any point of their career. It's stupid. Uh, LeBron not being a good sport, I think, is the angle here. Got this tweet from uh, someone who was reacting on the Hannity thread. A uh, GK Shuck. Who knows? Bot fake. I don't know. Uh, confirms my decision not to watch any NBA games this year. From the ratings, seems like I'm not the only one. It is the same old broken down, stupid can statements about the NBA. And LeBron drives people freaking nuts. Uh, the name calling as well. Did we see a La Bitch reference? Of course we did. <laughs> By the way, from Clay Travis who I know at least seven people who have been blocked by Clay Travis. Clay Travis can't handle a mean tweet, but he can call LeBron la bitch after a game because I guess I don't, e- I don't even know. Like, these media members have skin that is thinner than paper, and yet they have the audacity to go after guys like LeBron yeah. and well, qu- question them a, fortitude. It's a dish that can't take it, and that's many people in the media. And the dish it on the front end is a bit. Like I said, it's it's part of feeding your audience. You feed the beast. But it, it is sad in many ways that you're feeding the, the beast on you know on the back. Of, you're making your money on the back of someone else. Of course. And I'm not saying any of these you know these these guys who do this are, are not talented. They're super talented. They're smart. Uh, you know they've chosen to sell their soul to a certain extent, and they're making tons of money. But I do think every once in a while we need to step back and go. All right, we're like, we are being a little over the top on LeBron. Now, LeBron, I, John, I will say, I will I will come over the top end on this one. Um, LeBron is and has set himself up late in the season for some of this criticism. First of all, I think he knew what he was doing when he threw out there, I'm not going to be 100% the rest of the year. I think he was giving, he was trying to give himself a soft landing. Now, you can say, hey, he was just being honest, but he's got to know how that's going to be taken. Uh, but he threw it out there because I think he wanted that excuse if it didn't work out um and more importantly the walking off the court thing it's been established in the past that it drives people nuts you're going to be a target when you do that you are going to be called the sore loser he's way too smart and he's way too aware 
of how big he is and who's going to come after him, just stay out there, shake hands. Uh, I mean, I see the excuse as well. I mean, he did go and, you know, take some pictures and sign a jersey for Devin Booker. Well, what about all the other guys on the Suns? Just stay out there, take your lumps, do what you're, you know, what you're supposed to do. And really, when I say do what you're supposed to do, it's not based on anyone else's standards. Do it for you so you don't have to hear the nonsense about you walking off the floor early. Don't be Isaiah Thomas. And, yeah, that's a shot at Isaiah Thomas, right? Because yeah. he did that. And that was a – that was a, you know, if you – listen, I was around when it happened. If you went back and watched the Jordan documentary, that was a big part of the handoff. And this may have been a handoff. That was a big part of the handoff between the Pistons. The Pistons were really tough, badass dudes – until they got in the position where they got smacked around a little bit, and then they acted like sore losers. So in NBA history, we've seen the reaction of being a sore loser and not shaking hands. Just stay out there. LeBron knows better. Come on. Okay, so first off, I will say that I uh, I understand the criticism of LeBron being, like, totally calculating with everything that he does, right? The whole ankle thing, I'm never going to be 100%. I completely agree. Like, that 100% is him setting himself up so he can lean back on that whenever the conversation comes up. But again, like, my rebuttal to that, Steve, is, like, I guess you should know, and I guess that he should stay out there for his own sake, but why should he have to, right? Again, I brought up two names immediately. In my mind, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are the biggest losers in the world. Be better. No, I know, but what I'm saying is, but Tom Brady and Bill Belichick don't get that label. Nobody ever thinks of that when it comes to them, right? We we some of us have pointed out that Brady I'm is about, a hothead and a sore loser and doesn't handle losing well. He's embraced at times for that. And yeah, Belichick is a baby. Belichick is a baby. He's going to come in and mumble after the press conference. Okay, well for LeBron, don't be Belichick. I, I don't need to because like, here, John, what you're doing here and what LeBron fans are doing by defending him to the freaking you know final flurry is you're you're doing classic whataboutism, right? No, which no, which no. is infuriating. No, yeah, you, you are. No, because LeBron why does did he... this. LeBron did this, and you're like, well, what about Jordan? And I, you know, I mentioned Isaiah no. Thomas, but it's like, what about Isaiah Thomas? What about Brady? What about no? Belichick? My argument How is about not being those guys. No, my argument is, why don't you hold those others to those same standards? Okay, we get it. Like that's the point. That is the point. When we sit here and we praise guys like Kobe and Michael Jordan who have done the exact same thing, and then you invoke their name to criticize the, criticize the guy who's doing the thing that they did. Can you admit that LeBron shouldn't do it? Who cares? <laughs> I just gave, no, I just who, gave who, you the reason. But, but I'm telling you, it's, is, it's, I personally, it's, it's self-preservation. But what I'm telling you is, is like, for don't me personally, do it. too, I don't care if Tom Brady does it. My point is, is that we have this selective memory with certain guys who we like and certain guys that we don't. That is the whole point. You can't have this sliding scale of what you, the collective, feel is acceptable and decide to invoke it every once in a while because of how you feel about a certain person. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Charles, let's hear that list. First off, Ernie, you know I don't like to say things that make people upset. But you guys are making me do this, so here we go. Instead of the brow, we got the brouch. I heard that one on Dan Patrick. Mr. Glass. I love Samuel L. Jackson. He's the best part of those commercials. And Shaq is uh, definitely an expert on commercials. That's a good one, Ernie. And last but certainly not least, Anthony Day to Davis. Okay. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Sam's Town Race and Sportsbook. 
There he is, the always over-the-top hilarious Frank Caliendo with a bunch of good impressions led by Barkley. One of the greatest decisions I've ever made is bro- uh, blocking Frank Caliendo. Why? I, I'm, it's I'm, all in good fun. No, I get it. I'm, too many fine. LeBron shots? It, no, you're it's, mad? it's well, one, it's, it's actually too many Gruden videos. Like, I get it. You can do a Gruden. Let's, let's mix it up a little bit. But the other is it's like every time one of his videos is like retweeted or put out there, it's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. you got to watch it. Like, it's a guy doing impersonations. Let's, let's mix up the bit a little bit here. Huh? A reaction to your LeBron defense on Twitter. A uh, Kennedy says, pretty much all big athletes get that treatment when they do it. Clay and Draymond were called out for doing it in 2016. Brady all the time. I don't know about all the time at all. Why does LeBron get viewed through this prism of, quote, we only do this to him, unquote? Because, I mean, for the most part, you do. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Name another athlete who can go to how many consecutive finals and be viewed as a failure, right? Name an athlete Name an athlete who is actually told by the people who slight him that you actually shouldn't have gone to the finals because it would be better for your resume to not go and not lose. Name an athlete who goes 14-0 and in his first first-round appearances, but then finally loses one when he's, how old is he now, 36, whatever he is, and then is told that you can never catch up with the guy who's perceived to be above him, even though that guy lost three times in the first round. Oh, but that's okay. Remember, Jordan was young. Stop. The guy can never win. He is one of the athletes that can never win. Tell me one athlete who was in that situation. Oh, he's great at as hard as any athlete we've seen. Right. Especially in this era. And you have to realize, this has been the case for a long time. Uh, I've been doing sports radio for now like 25, 26 years. And I remember you know, having bites pulled where I'm like kind of yelling at the media where I'm like, do you even like sports? Like, how jealous of, of the athletes are you? The, the dislike of the athletes. Now, here's the thing. It's been amped up even more the last five years. Right? Mm-hmm. Going after athletes, going after successful people, making them the enemy, and now especially coming out of the pandemic. Pandemic was an eye-opener for a lot of people. A lot of people. Uh, one, they got to assess where they are and who they are, and they're like, man, I have not achieved. I'm mad. Yeah. Um, I don't know who to be mad at, but I'm going to be mad at someone who's more successful than me. Um, the pandemic was also an eye-opener because you couldn't go out and you had to be around the other part of your existence, not work, but your family, right. and you look around and you're like, I don't like these people, and they don't like me. These losers. Right. I don't know if you're calling them losers, but like that, and then that made people even more mad. Right. Like now I'm being forced to be around people that I don't want to. I want to be around a little bit. That's not everybody, but a lot of people, like a lot of a lot of relationships, <laughs> hit the real skids because they're like, man, I, I didn't know what this person was like. Now I'm around them all the time. So there's a lot of angry people. You're still and, here. And it's oh, it's, it's not just the last 25 years. It's always been the case with the average sports fan. A lot of sports fans don't. Like, they just, they're jealous of athletes. They're mad at them. Right. So they hold them to this, this higher standard. You know what gets me, though, is when the athlete does it to the athlete. And last night, we saw AD debilitated, couldn't play. The groin sucked. He was hurt. And here's Barkley after the game. The dude was calling Anthony Davis street clothes, mocking on him 
days before, this is him after the game last night when he saw that AD was just completely broken down. You give him credit for at least trying to play in the game? I, I, yes, but I can't believe the doctors put him out there. He should not even try. Ernie, me and Kenny watched this. Let's watch Anthony Davis. You saw right from jump ball. I don't know. How, I don't even know. How they saw some in warm up to make him think he could play. But uh, listen, he's a he's a terrific kid. He's a hell of a player. But there's no way he should have been out there. How do you say that? And and act like you're outraged that he played. That someone screwed him over by playing. You know who screwed him over? All the people who were calling him a wuss and a pansy, right. demanding that he play like you two days ago. Fire this. The Lakers can't win this 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 series. Forget about the championship. They can't win this series without uh, street clothes. <laughs> you want to explain that? I call him Anthony Street Clothes Davis because he's always in street clothes. So it was funny a couple days ago. Right. But last night, I can't believe he played. No, not only can't believe he played, who let him out yeah, right. there? Yeah. Right. <laughs> the Unreal, virtue man. signal. Oh, my God. Who would ever right. let him do that? No, you're right. I mean, look, and that's another criticism of just that show, right? The Anthony Street Close Davis is a bit. You want to make the laugh. You want to make the joke, whatever. You don't think in the moment of what that is actually implying. And thus, Anthony Davis goes out there and tries to play through an injury. And you're like, whoa, this is like, whoa, man. Like, you're making the joke, man. It also reinforces terrible stereotypes. And again, indirectly, you're feeding red meat to that audience I just talked about 10 minutes ago. Right. The ones that want to hate athletes. The ones that want to hate NBA players. You, a former NBA player, is feeding them. Dummy. So I just get somebody somebody tweets me during the show, right, and tells me, like, hey, only people are going after LeBron. It's not, a, it's not a, you know, they're not going after Anthony Davis. Took me three seconds to find three different tweets to send to him. One of them was Charles Barkley, calling him street clothes, because that feeds into it. Because you know the other nickname that is out there now? Anthony, what we hear in the rejoin? Data Davis. Like, this is something that just feeds the beast, like you said. And then you don't think that a guy like Anthony Davis, who was injured in a massive moment in his career trying to help his team to win a championship, another one, doesn't feel pressure to play through an injury that he clearly can't because of things like this? Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield & Company. McKinnon deals away in the forehand, near side, Miko Rantanen, SCORE! on the call. Avs unfortunately take out the Golden Knights in overtime. Rantanen with the goal. Beautiful goal. Only so much Flurry can do throughout a game. And so now the Golden Knights are facing this 2-0 deficit. Uh, we're here at Samstown. We got the Sports Deli right next door. So we're hanging out in front of the Sportsbook. Go over there and get the uh, buttermilk chicken breast sandwich. That's on special. That was good. Go over to one of my favorite places, the Angry Butcher. The best in uh, steaks and chops. Also, uh, they've got an ahi pokey salad special Ooh. right now, right? I'm big on ahi freshness. Pokey. Why not? Why not? And Boyd Gaming is the official home for Lotus Broadcasting during these VGK playoffs in the National Hockey League. That includes Sunday evening. Ari for Game Four will be out at Aliante. What? Inside the Salted Lime. He'll be signing you up for a chance to win. A VGK jersey. 
And they've got awesome drink specials over there, so uh, check out the salted lime. I hear the veggie fajitas are to die for. So grab them. Down. What's going on with your conditioning? You what sticking mean? to the plan? Oh, like working out and stuff? Yeah. Yes. Heavy vegetables? Uh, yes. I'm a big cauliflower guy. Really? I like cauliflower. God, I got a rash of crap uh, on one of the late night podcasts on broccoli. Why? Kogan just went ballistic, but he's the wrong guy to ask. Well, yeah, I was going to say. DC and the Sunshine Man tonight at 1030. Right. We'll, uh, we'll do post game, in essence, for the Vegas Golden Knights up online at Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas Facebook. He is a I, – I, I won't even say a meat and potatoes guy because uh, I'm like, eh, I think potato. It's too vegetable eat no. for him. He well, is just a meat guy. Well, that's a weird thing, though. He's like, I hate, yeah, I hate broccoli. It's the worst. But the Dover sole is fantastic. Oh, if you if you threw broccoli on a plate <laughs> with his Dover sole, he would throw the plate at you. Right. Fish is, I mean, I, I've, I don't want to offend anybody, but fish is like the softest meat, is it not? What are you trying to say? Like in the sense of how we call NBA players soft. Like oh, okay. <laughs> fish, fish is the softest meat. Let's get out to uh, Stormy Bonatoni on a game day. Nice enough to join us before a pivotal game three. Stormy? I don't know what I just jumped into, but fish is a meat? Uh, that's a good point. Is it um, not? I mean, it's the flesh of a living being. I would assume it's meat. Weird. Okay. Anyways, what's up? Game three. Uh, we were talking about vegetables and people we know that are very anti vegetable Do you have any vegetables you just hate? Um, not, not that I like hate, hate, but like, I, I'm a person who loves hibachi, but I'm not a big zucchini type of a person. Really? So, yeah. So that's always weird. I just feel like it's useless. I don't hate it. I just like, don't see the point. Do you feel like it, when you do the teppanyaki, if, if you make any special orders that it's dangerous with someone who's so good with a knife? <laughs> no, I've never thought about that, but now I will. So thank you. Yes. Cause uh, I've, uh, and also there's, there's a line of fun once you start busting chops on the chef. God, I can't remember who was doing it. It was someone, one of my friends was drunk and oh. just going on and on and on with the chef. And at some point, the chef turned and it was like, okay, now now we're all going to pay for this. All right. All you right. got to be nice. You got to be nice to the uh, the, the teppanyaki chef. All right, yeah, they're going to crack the egg over your head. Exactly, exactly. Or you could get a, the, the shrimp that's thrown in your mouth could come extra hard. It might not be, it might, might not be a, 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 you know, a nice toss. Your way. All right, let's talk about the mood going into this game by first going back and, and talking about what happened in the last one. Um, I, I, Pete DeBoer didn't mince words about the call in overtime, the slashing. What did you see on that play? I don't know you know, what your vantage point was, but um, that seemed like a, a weird play. The stick was dropped pretty quickly. And, uh, I mean, the other thing is, do you make that call in overtime? Yeah, so from where I was watching it live, their backs were faced to me, so I didn't see the direct slash live, and I, I was actually taking a video of that face-off, and when you watch it back in slow motion from, like, my personal phone, you're like, what are they talking about? <laughs> and then you see, you know, the head-on, and, and of course, like, it was. I, I get it. Um, you know, you see the penalty there. Do I think that it was a, a great penalty? No. Like, I personally don't think that that's, something you call in that instance specifically in overtime with a game on the line but you know it is what it is and there's nothing the Golden Knights can do about it I remember in the moment talking to some of my colleagues and I was like to me given how good the Golden Knights have played in this game and you you wonder looking forward about the series like could this be one of those series defining penalties again you know those are the types of things that 
run through my mind. Fortunately, the Golden Knights are much more even keeled about these things than I personally am, which is why they have the jobs that they do. Um, but I, I like the way that Pete DeBoer kind of towed the line, I guess, talking about I don't blame the refs. I, you know, they've had to deal with, he didn't say this directly, but like how many times are guys grabbing their face after a play or, you know, different things with sticks that we've seen. And so he talked about the embellishment he feels that he's seen and the refs are having to work their way through it. He's like, I don't put this on the refs. But it's, it's troublesome that the Golden Knights weren't able to kill that penalty. And that's ultimately what it comes down to, right, is you can't, you can't blame the penalty. You can't blame the refs for something that happened. Your job, once that's said and done, is to go kill the penalty. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. The Golden Knights lose game two. So now the hope is that you see all of the positives that came from the Golden Knights in that game. They were dominant for long stretches of that game. Now you're at home and you have to handle business. Yeah, I wonder if it works. It's almost like Phil Jackson-like. Phil Jackson was very much uh, more obvious about it. The Zen master was always kind of working the officials. I wonder if it works and and some of the stuff is uh, is let go, you know, when the abs are. And this whole, Stormy, this is a whole thing in sports now, right? It's uh, To me, it started with soccer trying to sell calls mm-hmm. uh the nba's got it uh now the nhl has got it, according to pete DeBoer, that the abs are embellishing a bit the nfl has, every wide receiver's asking for every you're right every it. every wide receiver starts every pulling out the ima- ima- yeah every sport <laughs> well and there's always two opinions to it right because you see jared bednar on the other end defending his side saying oh yeah that's an easy call that you make that call every time so here there's two sides to every story there's two opinions to it all but it is something that you see and we look back to the minnesota series you feel like generally speaking, throughout the course of that series, um, all, all the calls that the referees made, like it felt very even. Like It felt like they were very consistent with the penalties that they were calling. Now Pete DeBoer obviously makes a statement that he makes here. How much do the officials read into that? Um, I, I, like For me now, I agree with you. Like I'm going to be looking out to see what the officials call. Like Is it going to be consistent with what we saw in Game 1, or will that little, you know, nudge, so to speak, or will that make an impact? We'll see. Stormy Bonatoni is with us. Of course, she's uh, ringside with the Golden Knights as they uh, get ready at the Fortress tonight for an important Game 3, a must-win Game 3. Did you talk to some of the players about the shots they got and the shots they couldn't finish? I I imagine there had to be a lot of frustration, and especially with a guy like Alex Tuck, who was fantastic at times, but just could not get the puck in the right position against Grubauer. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's, I mean, not just Tuck, but I mean, like the post from Riley Smith uh, was not friendly. And Philip Grubauer obviously was great. But I think that one from Alex Tuck that you're talking about, the breakaway, yep. one-on-one opportunity, Grubauer is obviously out of position, out of the net initially, and has to get back. Um, and Tuck just didn't elevate the puck. And you wish, you know, you wish so badly that he did because then this is a game that's uh, it's a different one in regulation than it was in overtime in. Yeah, um, a lot of the players, I think, you know, there's not an excuses type of a thing, and you want to talk about making those adjustments to your shot. But more than anything, I think it's just kind of one of those puck luck type of things. You know, Philip Grubauer was really good, and their angles were just a little bit off. Stormy's with us. Uh you know, the other thing to, to cover going into this game, the the play of Grubauer, who we mentioned, but also Flurry. And while we marvel at the, you know, the physical feats of these guys, you know, stretching and just making amazing saves and the dexterity and the, the you know, the instant reaction, 
the mental part of it is the thing that amazes me because Flurry going into this game could be like, my God, I did everything I could. I I dealt with just a ridiculous onslaught in the first period. I made, I, I mean, I think he only made one mistake, that kind of knuckleball that went in between his legs for the first goal. Right. I just, you talk to Flurry a lot more than any of us. What is he like in terms of, like, calm demeanor? Because clearly he's got it together because he's got such a track record of being able to bounce back from rough defeats. Yeah, and I mean, like anyone, you're you're going to get frustrated in moments. That fluky goal from Brandon Saad that you're referencing, like, he couldn't believe it, and you could just see that on the ice in his reaction, that the shot that he was anticipating <laughs> yeah. just never came. So, um, But, yeah, I think that he's a very even-keeled person. He is... Um, I know it's so cliche when we hear these guys talk about, you know, that next game mentality, shot by shot is how you have to take it. But I think that he really believes in that. In a game, whether, you know, a puck gets by him or he stops one, that's in the rear view and you have to move forward and you have to do whatever you can in that position to help your team win. And that's what he tries to do. So I think he's going to come into this game with that same type of a mentality to do whatever he can for his team every time that a puck is near him. And that's all you really can do at this point. And plus, he's got a really – I'm sure you guys saw this, but he's got a really awesome fan and his five-year-old daughter, Scarlett, with the amazing note that she had waiting for him when he got home from Colorado after the, the 3-2 overtime loss. And um, so he, he's definitely um, not only got a lot of fans in this city, but at home, too. I think it was really, really cute. Wait, what did it say on the note? Oh, did you not see it? I didn't see it. Oh, it's so cute. Um, basically, like, it was on the counter, I guess, waiting for Flower when he came home. His wife, Berenice, posted this on her Instagram. But it was just like, you know, you're still the best. You're the best goalie to me. You did such a good job stopping pucks. Um, you're the best goalie in my heart. She drew, like, a picture of him and all Aww. this stuff. So I highly recommend anybody that hasn't seen it goes and looks at it. It's really, really sweet. And for a <clears> five-year-old, I was pretty impressed with the handwriting. Yeah, if you were here at Samstown watching John Von Tobel, young dad John Von Tobel, he just had to bite his lip for the last 10 seconds. Are you going to cry? Uh, no, I was actually stopping myself from making a joke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you say you're getting, like, all emotional now anytime you oh, see, well, that, you're watching like, kids' oh, commercials? Yeah, and, like, like, pamper commercials, like, stupid things. They get that stupid, <laughs> like, knot in your throat. I'm like, I hope my son loves me like that one day. Uh, <laughs> But, no, I was actually uh, – one of our colleagues here, Tyler Bischoff, made the astute observation that the logo on Flurry's chest uh, on the note does look like the Retro Penguins logo. So we do wonder where his daughter's loyalties lie. Oh, please. And uh, also very anti-Leonard sentiment in that one, huh? Best goalie. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure the child is thinking that through, <laughs> stirring the pot. <laughs> I mean, don't you think your dad's the best at everything he does? It's one of those things, and I agree. And I just – I don't know. I just thought it was really sweet. But as in reference to the – press on the chest it's discernible let's be honest okay and he's it's gold not yellow he's he's colored gold nitpicky stormy also by the way can i also just have my moment here where the second you said don't you think your dad's the best at everything steve and i both looked at each other with the immediate (laughs) thought of "Eh, probably not (laughs) he's pretty good he's pretty good stormy bonatoni's with us did you see anything missing from the effort the output without jan mark in the last game um honestly like it's not necessarily the effort by any means like I don't think that I don't I don't think that there's something missing without Yanmark I just think that he's able to add certain things that you might not get like I don't that's probably a terrible way to describe it let me tell you but um no I think that he's somebody that's been able to produce recently and he is the lead scorer for the Golden Knights this postseason and so 
he's somebody that's found a spark at the right time, so it's a little bit unfortunate not to have that in the lineup these last this last game. But I think that in terms of the team's depth, they did everything that they wanted to do. I thought like even the fourth line specifically was really, really good last game. So you're hoping that he's okay and he's able to get back, but we don't know. And, I mean, Pete DeBoer, game-time decision. Anybody that wasn't at morning game today, game-time decision. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm not, I've become a big Yan Mark fan in a short time, though. This is going to sound weird because, you know, most of the games you've worked at the Fortress have been full, but it's been a while. What is it going to be like tonight? I am so excited. I have my bright gold jacket on, ready to go. I Like, honestly, because you think the last time that this building was full capacity was early March 2020. I think it was the third against the Devils. And it's legitimately been that long since we've had that many people in there. And the, the crowd recently with the 12,000 plus has been tremendous. It's been extremely loud. You, you get the feeling that it's full. But at the end of the day, it's not full. So to walk into the building today, like just even around City National today, you could feel like the excitement in the building. Like it's not like there's a letdown right now coming home after being down 0-2. It's, hey, we're home. We have, we're going to have 18,000 plus in this building. Let's go. And I'm pumped for it. Like I, we've been waiting for so long for this kind of normalcy, for this kind of a ferocious crowd. I, I hope. I truly, truly hope it's something that the Golden Knights are able to get off to a good start and can grab some of the emotion of that crowd and just sustain it because there's it, there's a lot of excitement. Stormy, you're awesome. We always appreciate you coming on on uh, game days and enjoy it. This is why you do this, right? These kind of spots, you know, down yeah. to nothing, dramatic spot, big crowd. It's awesome. 100%. So excited. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you later. There she is. Stormy. Stormy Bonatoni, ringside. AT&T Sportsnet. Three o'clock hours on the way. We'll get uh, back into the Golden Knights in just a little bit. Uh, Want to give you an update during the show on the parking situation. You know, they had that big parking press conference yesterday with the Raiders. Uh, I actually, I took a ride down last night to go check out all the different lots. And, um, you know, I actually came away thinking the Raiders, prices aside, we can talk about that. But the, the lots and the plan they come up with, considering what they have to work with, pretty solid. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.